Oh, great. Yeah. Um, okay. Welcome back to another episode of Maybe, Maybe Next time. time. I'm your host, William Blue, with my co-host, Simon McCormack. Nets Nation, our country is built on lies. <laughs> and it was built on functional streets until tanks rolled over them <laughs> for a totally nonpartisan celebration of freedom. Yeah. So, welcome back, folks, uh, to our weekly podcast on all things... Brooklyn Nets. We come at you each and every week, although this week, I think this is our second go this week. Yeah. Uh, this is a big week, as you know, which is why we had an emergency cast earlier in the week, um, which I want to offer a quick mea culpa regarding. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I, uh, I steadfastly remain skeptical of this trade. But I have had, since then, three to four days of soaking up Nets Media, which is unflaggingly, unrelentingly positive, borderline ecstatic, and I just feel so out of place and odd and crazy that I'm in. (laughs) I'm all in. I think it's the most wonderful thing that could have happened. I I honestly can't wait to see Kyrie play. Mm -hmm. Um, My reservations about DeAndre Jordan remain. I don't think anyone's... I've never heard... I haven't heard a single person other than you Simon, that excited about DeAndre? Um, <laughs> I but, have never seen DeAndre play in the last three years. Right. So that could have something to do But with I am, I am, I am over the moon about Kyrie. I, I, of course, everyone has concerns, but it, it's a huge step. I want to get that out there. I was an asshole last episode. <laughs> I was wrong. I made a mistake. Let's move on into the to the um, age of Aquarius, where we are now. <laughs> yeah. uh, and when I told Simon that I that I was beginning to feel this way, he uh, he thought it was because the Nets had signed Wilson Chandler. <laughs> yeah, still sort of think that. Right, which it, of course partially is. <laughs> yeah. Nothing intrigues me like a six nine league average three point shooter mm-hmm. who averaged six points a game last year. Though he started the majority of the games when he was with the Celtics. Yeah. Now I am. So I saw that and I was. Excited by that, and then I sort of remembered the when because it it happened because they traded Sarich, and I remember like the the biggest they were like yeah you know great to get Jimmy Butler but man do they have a hole at the four now <laughs> um, so yeah but but still I mean if he's our third string four which I imagine he basically you will think be, he's going to be behind Kudus yeah. Right, and you think that that, that Torian is going to be the first string? I can even think that. Now, here's something that just just very quickly that I'm somewhat wary of that being true is that uh, Torian has on his Twitter handle that he is a small forward for the Nets, so <laughs> maybe he's not ready to be slotted in at the at the four. At the four, yeah, I, I don't know that he uh, is traditionally a four, but certainly in today's league. Uh, it's not out of the realm yeah. uh, that he is going to be our four. Um, as you may have guessed by our intro, this is a 4th of July, and the date on which we're recording this. It is July 4th, 4.39 Eastern Standard Time. Simon and I are in, of all places, New Paltz. Yeah. Uh, this is our, both of our first times in, in New Paltz, I think. Uh, I was here for like a couple hours, but yeah. Uh, so more or less, our first time in New Paltz. 
We are here for the weekend, and we thought, what better way to inaugurate a holiday weekend than in recording this podcast? <laughs> That's right. To be um, here with you, Nets Nation. To be here with you, Nets Nation. So we are going to do a 4th of July-themed podcast in which we relate the founding of this nation to the founding of a new franchise, which is what has just been founded in Brooklyn, New York, with the arrival of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Is that more or less what we're doing? Yep. Okay. So we're going to go through some of the uh, luminaries of, of, <laughs> of America's past and connect them to present-day Nets players. Yes. Uh, we're going to start with maybe the biggest of them all, a guy with wood for teeth <laughs> and uh, other distinguishing features. He was very tall. He oh. could have been a NBA superstar in his age. I think he was like 6'7 or 6'8. Okay. Uh, a little guy by the name of George Washington. Mm. Simon, who is the Nets George Washington, our warrior hero, leader of men, etc., etc.? Um... For me, he is, uh, and before I say this, I just want to say, Bill, hats off to you for coming up with this whole theme and, and these categories uh, and your descriptions of what you're looking for in these, because I found those quite good. Uh, for me, that is Sean Marks. Uh, he is the founder of this of this current iteration of Nets, of, of the Nets, um, he now, after Rondé was... Uh, was um, not picked up. He like no every player is is a net is a Sean Marks era player. Right. We have no now. Billy King legacy players left. Right. So it's fully his team. He he has he has you know landed on Plymouth Rock and uh, you know whatever begun his reign of terror. Right. He is standing uh, up yeah. in a, an incredibly rocky boat, piercing icebergs in the right. Delaware River. Right. Um, as other men who are seated are flung off into the ice cold water, he stands with cool resolve. <laughs> Doing what has to happen to make Nets Nation what it is. Yes. Um, my George Washington Simon is Kyrie Irving. Oh, okay. Uh, obviously, Durant in <clears throat> Durant is has achieved the most in basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a two-time Finals. We don't need to go through Durant's credentials. He's he's an incredible basketball player. He's the best player on the Nets. Uh, hopefully, he is the best player on the Nets when he comes back. Yeah, that's critical. But. Kyrie is the leader this season. He has to be the leader on the court. He is going to be by far the best player on the court. He's also the guy who got Kevin Durant to come here, mm-hmm. more or less. Mm-hmm. Without him, I sincerely doubt um, Durant's coming. Which, by the way, did you hear the Bill Russell take that uh, Joe Sy's Alibaba connections are the thing that may be drawing players, including Kevin Durant, to the Nets. Really? No. That he, because he could offer inroads into the wild west of tech, um, he that could be a big draw for players who are going to leave something like $57 million on the table in Golden State. Uh, they would come here with the understanding that being here, Joe Sy could connect them to that world. Interesting. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I have no idea if that played any role. I don't think Bill Simmons knows if that played any role, but he threw that out as a, as a hypothetical. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think it's incredibly important that Kyrie Irving becomes the George Washington, that he becomes the leader, that it obviously uh, he didn't become in Boston and wasn't ever in a position to become in Cleveland um, when LeBron was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the time he's, 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 he's finally gotten to pick, as you, you rightly pointed out. He's gotten to choose where he's come for the first time. And uh, he's chosen America, a.k.a. Brooklyn. (laughs) And he is going to shape it into the um, (laughs) empire it will go on to become. Yeah. If if I can say that, currently as neutrally as possible. Right, that's right. (laughs) Is it good that we have an empire? Sometimes empires do things that are beneficial to people in sure. the country of the empire. <laughs> Some right. of them. Some of the a very select group. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Just being neutral here. Right. Apolitical. Exactly. Uh, our next guy, who is the Nets Thomas Jefferson? The brilliant writer, the Nets who is more brains than brawn. Mm. For me, Bill, that is uh, Jared Allen, uh, a quintessential brains over brawn kind of guy loves computers loves video games seems like a uh, a brainy guy who is uh, i saw by the way that he's up to supposedly on the the summer league uh, uh roster 245 pounds that's huge now is that true it probably isn't true i no, i would guess I that guessed it's like not true two, i mean if he, he's, That's enormous. He's listed at 235 on, like, other sites and stuff. You know, like, uh-huh. if you looked up, like, Basketball Reference or whatever. Um, even that, to me, is a stretch. I think he's closer to the 215 that uh, that Nick Claxton is. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, I would have said maybe 208. If, <laughs> yeah. if Bulbo at 7-3 is 208. I yeah. can't imagine Karras is much bigger than that. He's just not a thick guy. He's well, Jer- naturally no, very- Jared Allen. Oh, Jared, Jared, oh, Jared, Jared Allen. Allen. Yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. Right, right, right. No. So, so anyway, so Jared, God bless him, is uh, is a tactician. Uh, he knows you know how to block, but he's not a he's not very brawny. No, he certainly isn't. Um, so I. In spite of saying who is the brilliant writer more brains and brawn of the Nets, I took it in a slightly different direction. So uh, my guy's Karis LeVert, which is why I conflated that in my mind. Okay. Uh, <laughs> rather selfishly. Uh, so I think that while George Washington, of course, was the first president of the United States. Uh-huh. Uh, and they wanted to make him <laughs> king and, you know, he's sort of this – like no one knows – what he did as president, right? No one... His legacy well, is more... Well, didn't he fight the War of whatever that... Uh, am I wrong? What's war of 1812? Yeah, wasn't that him? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> that would be... I don't even know Ooh. if he was still alive at that time. Oh, right. Because the 1776 is when this yeah. thing happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So you're right. He's a, he'd be a little, little old yeah. for that one. Uh, but Thomas Jefferson's legacy still is a scepter that haunts the American (laughs) tradition, right? Uh Everyone talks about the brilliant, the Declaration of Independence, which he wrote. Um, He he did the Louisiana Purchase. He's sort of like behind the scene, you know, a guy who during the revolution, during the founding of the country was not necessarily uh, as highly regarded as George Washington, but 
history has borne out his legacy. Uh-huh. Uh, I think Karis LeVert, as, as I'm hoping, is yeah. a guy who has flown under the radar. We saw flashes of it last season, the beginning of last season, and then in the playoffs a bit and at the very end of last season, where he could have a coming out year where everyone's coming in. They're like, it's Kyrie's team. Can't wait to get Durant, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Lavert comes out and he he steals the show. This is the year that his legacy begins to begins to emerge. There was a thing um, when Zach Lowe was talking about Karis Lavert on his podcast recently, when he said, "If someone said, is Karis Lavert uh, over under for two point five All Stars?" and he he couldn't he couldn't pick. So, I hope this is the year where the first of that two point five over. <laughs> Goes down. Yeah, great. A la Thomas Jefferson. Right. Uh, so who is the Nets' John Hancock? A man notable only for having a large signature, but otherwise more or less completely irrelevant to the founding of and perpetuation of this country. This is a great one. Um, yeah, this is one of my more favorite, my, my, not more favorite, my favorite ones. Um, uh, for me... This is Theo Pinson, who is credited, I think rightly, with the famed uh, Nets bench dance, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, probably people who have never seen a single Nets game, there's a better chance that you've seen that clip than you've seen a full Nets Nets game. Um, So he is sort of like, you know, that that has put that imprimatur on, on the Nets, but... His actual contribution to the Nets is minimal. Um, Simon, that is an absolutely dead-on <laughs> analogy. That is perfect. Uh, yeah, I don't know that Theo Pinson is going to be an impact guy, let alone a uh, role player on a team. Yeah. Um, and yet, he definitely has had... Equivalent amounts of airtime of any net in the last five years <laughs> because of the last like month and a half of last season when everyone's like, all right, the sort of the playoffs are all in except for the last three seeds of the East that no one cares about. Everyone's just sort of like getting through the slog of the end of the season. And he started that dance thing and everyone gave a shit. Yeah. Um, my, my irrelevant big signature guy is and it pains me to say this because I feel like I'm still very much uh on 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 this island by myself but John and Musa. Okay. Uh he's a guy I really I really want to exceed but he was he was the first round pick uh there were actual expectations that he was going to do something that the Nets claimed that he was going to be that he was they had him in his lo- in the lottery that they would have picked him in the lottery. Um, he did incredible in Long Island. He got more buzz than Kuroots when he came over. Um, but are we ever actually going to see him play? Uh, is he ever actually going to do anything? Or is he just going to be sort of this guy who, who shone brightly and we, we cast some hopes onto? Although I will say when we heard his name um, called at draft day, we looked at each other and said, Who? Uh, and I think 99.9% of hardcore NBA fans would still say that oh, yeah. if you mentioned Zon and Musha's name. Yes, you'd have to be a pretty big G League fan. To... Yes, and we, we so, only know one true G League fan. So let me ask you, Bill, yeah. while, while, while we're on the topic, do you think he gets some play uh, with the Nets this year? We don't have much at the t- 
two, really. Well, we've got... Who do you think's going to play two? Karis? Karis will start. Uh, Joe, Joe Harris? Joe will be at the three, but yeah, he can play the two. So I feel like Joe Harris might two. be back up two, and Torian Prince might be three. Ah, who's, the, who's there four? Kurutz. Ah. Or Wilson Chandler. Hmm. Um, but okay, yeah, no, I think, I think Jean and Musa, I would like, I mean, I don't know who else, you're right, who else would be playing backup two? It would be possibly Joe Harris, Theo Pinson, possibly, oh, um, the guy that we got, uh, Temple. Mm, Does Garrett he play Temple. two? He can play two. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I really, really, really want to see some John and Musa. Um, he's this sort of slinking. His his back is so hunched, mm-hmm. so noticeably hunched. But he's quite tall. Yep. Uh, and and extremely offensively minded. So he's a perfect bench guy. Um, and there's very little pressure for him to do much. Everyone's forgotten about. I mean, like nobody is like, oh, this first round pick better pan out. Yeah. Uh, that we've never heard of. Right. So there's very. He doesn't have to. He's not in like a Markel Fultz thing where all eyes are on him. So he has an opportunity. I, I hope he I hope he gets it. Yeah. Me too. Um. All right, next one. Who is the Nets' Betsy Ross, creator of the flag, the symbol maker, the artist who can translate our national vision or team vision into something tangible? Mm. For me, Bill, this is Kenny Atkinson. Uh, he has got to take this uh, this pile of players um, and you know all all of their talents and their uh, shortcomings. And figure out how to make that team not only a good team, now he's got to make them into a team that definitely makes the playoffs. And I would say at least makes a hard push in the first round. Like, definitely does not... I I feel like anything below a five seed this season is a disappointment. I agree. I agree, and I which feel, I think is like is tough. Yes, I think it's like a legit challenge to see us. I don't think we're locked in for five. Oh no, I don't. I agree with you because as as you'll recall uh, from last year, it was as you as you said even a minute ago, like eight seven six was a tight tight battle, and yeah. then. It was like a huge gap between five, four, three, two, yeah. one. Um, so I think we've made some ground, and I personally think that we can we can do it. But yeah, it's definitely not. It's definitely yeah. not guaranteed. And even if we do get, let's say we get the five seed, um, you know, I, I think there's still expectations will be like. Don't get swept. Don't, you know, I think we need to at least take that to a six game. Well, other than the top five of last, let's say the top fives are are locks Mm -hmm. next year. Um, What of those essentially six through ten teams, Mm -hmm. like Miami got Jimmy Butler. That's presumably going to be a better team. Mm -hmm. Although, and they, but I mean, they got rid of Whiteside and they're, it sounds like they're going to get rid of Goran Dragic. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think are bigger, at least tragic is a bigger part than people are realizing. But anyway, they're going to be presumably better. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hornets will not be in the race. The Magic double down on what they're doing, yeah. uh, but they have so many young players that presumably there could be a development leap up. Mm-hmm. Pistons entirely dependent on Blake Griffin's health, and otherwise they've made no moves of any consequence. Right, and even with his... Even with him having an all-star 
and maybe even all NBA. I think he was all NBA. He was all NBA, third uh, team, yeah. Yeah, so, and they were still barely in the playoffs. I know he yeah. got hurt for a part of it, but, like, we've dealt with injuries far longer than, oh, yeah. than Blake's. <laughs> so I think that we can, I think, you know, Miami gets in there maybe over Detroit this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but... It's gonna be a, it's gonna be tough to get out of that six through ten group and into like confidently into that one through five group. Yeah, possible. I agree. I think Torian Prince is is a, is a big addition, and of course Kyrie. Uh, I'm I'm hoping has a, has a big year. Um, my Betsy Ross is Sean Marks. Oh, nice. I think he he plums the depths of the Nets unconscious. Uh, for exactly what everyone actually desires mm. um, without us knowing it. That's <laughs> why it's our unconscious. Um, so in the draft, he picked Karis Levert, a guy who was written off because his foot was devastated for years and barely played it all in college, and Jared Allen, who plummeted wildly because no one thought he actually gave a shit about basketball, which may be true. We don't know. Um, <laughs> but he's at, le- he's at least but good he's at enough least, even with that. He's to, at least a guy who, like, yeah. knee-jerk national pundits are like, oh, well, he's obviously better than DeAndre Jordan, right. which is a hell of a lot to say. Like, that's that's not an inconsequential... Right. For a 22nd um, pick, who's who's now, like, 21. Yeah, he's very, very young. And Rodion Kudertz, who, you know... People had bailed on. He played. We we mocked him endlessly for being on the second team of the Barca squad, for getting very few minutes on that, and his numbers, as virtually every European player's numbers are, were dreadful. Um, <laughs> but we all wanted those things. Uh, we all didn't know we wanted them, but we did want those things. Um, just like Betsy Ross, you know, we all wanted the glorious Stars and Stripes, but she had to. Although that actually the Betsy Ross thing, there's some huge controversy about the the symbol now, right? So yes, two things. One, as I understand it, a lot of uh, so that Nike had a shoot right based yes. on the original thing, and and that got blowback or uh, allegedly. I don't know if this has actually been said as a fact, but but supposedly. Um, Colin Kaepernick went to Nike and said, "Hey, actually, that's used by a lot of like, you know, Confederate, um, like pro Confederate. Not exactly. Pro, I don't know if there's any like explicitly pro Confederacy people out there, but you know what I mean. The white yeah. nationalist uh-huh. stuff. Um, and also another controversy that I understand is that maybe she didn't make that flag, and that, that there's there's some question as to whether that actually." Uh, Happened. Okay, so let's say that this is our most culturally insensitive um, of the figures that were. Oh, okay. I mean, I, well, I, mean, I mean, we're comparing I it to slave owners and right. <laughs> people who right. were complicit at the very least in genocide. But right. uh, <laughs> Betsy Ross might not have designed not. that flag. What a horrible human being! If that actively involved. In- <laughs> Complete genocide, certainly complicit. I agree. Also, I mean, yeah, but we care more about symbols than about actual, you know, actions that destroyed lives and humans and absolutely. society. I do, I do want to say for our listeners that we did contemplate ways to talk oh, about God. the fact that we were. <laughs> we don't have to. We don't need to go. There. Okay. We shouldn't okay. Go there. Welcome <laughs> back to another episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's run this one back. Um, 
So, we'll move on. We are not, by comparing Nets to them, we are not in any way conflating, like, like trying to glorify the pet. We're just using the cliched tropes right. of these, the what people associate with these Right. People. We understand that. We understand that this nation is is uh, built on slavery and built on genocide, but it doesn't mean right, that, that we, we can't, can't celebrate continue to freedom and democracy yeah. and flags with a truly hard cider. With yes, we are uh, uh, seltzers. Seltzer. Seltzer. Sorry, we are, I keep saying cider. We, we haven't mentioned this. I know. Listeners are, are always curious <laughs> what can fuel such captivating conversation. <laughs> well, let me tell you, it is today. Um, a little bit of truly hard seltzer. Mm. Uh, we've had a grapefruit, an orange, and I'm having a lime. Simon, you should try this lime. It's oh my. Um, they're they're really good and and uh, mm. honestly, no, that's the best. yeah, no, this it's my favorite one. The lime is out of this world. We're open for sponsorship. <laughs> we we had some problems with our last sponsor. We're looking for. For a new one, so any uh, true truly reps out there, hit us up at maybe Nets time on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, Gmail, etc. Um, Simon, who is the Nets? Paul Revere, a courageous hero capable of warning others of trouble ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a tough one. I know this is a challenge I know. and a stretch. Um, to me. To me, I, I so I took this. This is a great. I mean, I love Paul Revere. You know, he's my favorite of uh, the revolutionary family? figure. Oh, right, yeah, for Was sure. Mine, Sam Adams. When I asked, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think so because he, he's like pretty, uh, pretty extremist or whatever for the time. Like he was pretty into like right. warring and not compromising. And yeah, Tom, I guess Thomas Paine would be the the one I most like. But, mm, okay. Uh, I mean, of some that I actually know anything about would be Thomas Paine. But anyway, so Revere for me, I'm I'm gonna say uh, Joe Harris, and here's why: because I I sort of feel like Joe Harris is the canary in the coal mine here for whether um, Kyrie is destroying our offense. Uh, because if he's able to get involved and and everything is sort of functioning. As it should, he should have another good year. I don't think we should expect him to shoot um, whatever forty five percent or whatever forty seven percent that he shot last year. But forty seven percent, insane, insane. What a season, insane. Yeah, what a season. But like he should still be so bad in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't make a, a three for three straight games, right? Yeah. Wow, oh, that was fucking horrible. Philadelphia, I mean, Jesus, they are monsters on defense. Yeah, but he also missed a lot of open ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, 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 to me, if he has a good year or or is having a good year, then I think we're that's a good sign that we're moving the ball. We're still, you know, we're not exclusively relying on Kyrie Irving scoring um, to generate offense. Uh, so, so that's my Paul Revere. Um, that's that's a good one. Mine is gonna be Kurutz, mm. and that it's because I feel like Kurutz is pure instinct. So he's he's like he's utterly fearless. He goes where where other people you know if people are like you know 
Kuritz's wife says, don't ride your horse through the Massachusetts countryside warning patriots to, to wake up because the British are coming, you know? Kuritz is like, what are you talking about? I'm already on the horse. I'm riding. Like, I was gone eight minutes ago, lady. Uh, he's, he's, he's going all over the court where no one else goes. Like, he follows, he chases shots. He takes a lot of wild, out-of-control shots, a lot of out-of-control turnovers. But... The flip side of that is he gets steals that no one else would get. He gets offensive rebounds that no one else would get. He he has bizarre cuts mm-hmm. that no one else would Excellent make. Excellent cuts. You know, a really good cutter. And he do, he just does things that seem very like like he's coming from a totally uncoached different plate. Like he's never abided another man's <laughs> system, another coach's system. Like Kurutz is not he's not a unicorn in the um, in the Porzingis sense, but he is a unicorn in playing style sense. He yeah. he he reminds me of no other yeah. current player that I've that I have watched play basketball, and that is sort of the the uh, idiosyncratic um, individualist that I imagine that Paul Revere probably was. Yeah. Um, in the you know completely mythologized version I read about Paul Revere in a eighth grade textbook, right. Um, <clears throat> Simon, who's the Nets? Benedict Arnold, Benedict, a Ar- traitor most foul. <laughs> that is the one that I loved. <laughs> the description I love the most. Um, to me, this is the easiest one that we've had. Yeah. It's Spencer. Oh Benedict. yeah, I got it too, and I have it in all caps <laughs> with an exclamation mark. So let, lay, let lay the case for the Spencer betrayal. Just at two. <laughs> just and I'm 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 a little bit. I guess I'm not that surprised, but I'm slightly surprised. That no, there hasn't been any Nets gossip about this. And maybe it's just because the only Nets, like, Twitter stuff I follow is stuff that's retweeted by Nets Daily, who I'm sure would tamp that down. Right. But I even feel like a Brian Lewis or a... uh, Scotto might like Craig Logan. Right. Someone. Someone should be digging into like, huh, interesting. Spencer Dinwiddie spent months, if not a full year, recruiting another point guard when he when he probably knew that that would spell the end of D'Angelo Russell. Anyway, right. that that's that's my take on it. No, that. absolutely. Kyrie Irving, key recruiter of uh, uh sorry, Spencer Dinwiddie, key recruiter of Kyrie Irving. Um article after article is lauding it as if it's this this amazing thing they met in Harvard, some Harvard class for NBA players. Mm-hmm. Uh, they formed a friendship, and, he, and, and each article that comes out is like, yeah, he spent months. It's, it's, it's longer and more concentrated and more focused and more, like, uh, you know, persistent than you, than you could have possibly imagined. So I always, always felt, and I've argued many times yes, on this podcast, yes. that if you read between the lines of what Spencer Dinwiddie was saying, most of his comments about his playing time uh, and and the team and that the merit, the quote unquote meritocracy were aimed at and were, were tinged with bitterness towards D'Angelo Russell. I think he feels like D'Angelo and has always felt like D'Angelo Russell because he was a second pick in the draft uh, had been, had some sort of like magical aura around him that blessed him in a way that a hardworking guy who was un that was uh, 
under-recruited and under-appreciated like Spencer Dinwiddie never got. And that Spencer Dinwiddie always harbored the feeling that he was a better player than D'Angelo Russell. And many Nets fans felt that for a while this season until it became glaringly obvious that um, unless your single criterion for good player was ability to get to the rim, which is not an insignificant one, um, Spencer Dinwiddie was worse in almost every way than D'Angelo Russell. Um, that said, I mean, you know, I think he's going to be a, a perfectly good backup point guard. Uh, and I think the reason people are comfortable having that conversation without bringing up D'Lo is because he didn't recruit someone that, like, spelled the end of D'Lo and then gave him the starting position, which I think would have precipitated at least one of the reporters talking about more of a betrayal. Um because he's, you know, he recruited another point guard, so he's going to remain the backup. Mm-hmm. But I think it was just some bizarre power play on his part to uh, humiliate the guy who he feels has had a silver spoon uh, in his mouth the entire time he's been in the league. Yeah, and I don't know if it, it's about humiliation necessarily, because, I mean, D'Angelo was highly, I, I mean, I think it was just like, you know, I have no allegiance to, to D'Angelo. Yeah. Now, here's here's a question for you. Why do you think that Spencer was okay with another point guard who he knows will be, you know, the starter and will demand prob- – probably will diminish his minutes, I mean, or, or very possibly? Yeah, well, I think that's an interesting question, especially after the um, – about the minutes thing. Uh, and then I then I'll yeah then I'll get to the the main question. But like the minutes thing will so D'Angelo averaged barely the most minutes. It was just over thirty minutes a game. Um, after this season and after what happened with the quote unquote load management mm-hmm. of uh, Kawhi Leonard, mm. uh, more and more superstars, I think the expectation is going to be that something approximating that is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's in terms of like fully not playing 20 games a season or keeping it down to like Nets level minutes is to be determined. But I, I somewhat suspect that Kenny and the team are going to be like, well, we don't want to go the route of just sitting him many games because I think if you sat uh, – Kyrie Irving 20-some games, the Nets would have a very, very real possibility of not making the playoffs. But I think I could see him getting limited to about 30 minutes a game. Do, mm-hmm. you, do you think that might happen? Yeah, that, that's that's very possible. And I, I suspect that there will be some games where he does get load managed, for sure. Um, I mean, he's a, arguably a great case for it, a guy mm-hmm. who has had several, multiple knee injuries mm-hmm. in his already pretty brief career. I, yeah, no, totally. I I just feel like if Spencer's thing is like, you know, wants to be out of the shadow of uh-huh. whatever, like that's a terrible choice. Yeah, but, no, I, I I agree, I, and that does. <laughs> but he maybe did do, do it. Well, I mean, he, he did, did do, do it. it. But this I mean, I don't I don't know. Do you think it's just yeah. like totally personal at D'Angelo, and he just thought D'Angelo was like a fraud who shouldn't have been getting the credit, or do you think he? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't I, know. I think he likes. So I think it's less about D'Angelo. Obviously, uh-huh. it has to do with D'Angelo because I think he had to think. Probably they're not going to sign both of these players. So I I don't think it's 
it's not, it's unrelated to D'Angelo, but I think it's mostly about him feeling like he could, you know, I'm a smart guy, Kyrie's a smart guy, he and I, you know, understand each other in whatever way that the business to basketball at Harvard school classmates do. And, right. You know, it would be great to have him on the team and, and you know, he is a good player and whatever, you know. Probably just having conversations with him and feeling like, you know, they're they're both sort of outside-of-the-box thinkers and whatever. I think that's the biggest thing. And I, but I, I mean, obviously, like, if he were friends with D'Angelo, he would not right. do that. Right. But well, I don't think he, like, hates D'Angelo. Here's a, here's a, a slight conspiracy one for oh, you. Oh. A, a conspiracy take on that. Mm-hmm. What if Spencer... And this is just sort of like assuming that Spencer has basely selfish motives Mm -hmm. at play, which is fine. Like human beings are base and selfish things. Mm -hmm. Um, What if Spencer was like, well, all right, for my personal value as a point guard, I don't want to be the backup to a guy who is like not quite all NBA, you know, maybe like gets on because there's an injury scratch into the all-star team, but it's not like a unanimous superstar, right? So if I'm backing him up, then they know that I'm not no like I'm never gonna be that good. Whereas if I get if I if I begin to play behind a guy who's like a unanimous first or second team all NBA guard, then the idea that when my contract is up or in even in a year, um, that people are gonna be like, oh well he's a starting point guard. He's obviously a starting point guard, but he's just playing behind like this preternatural talent that that will start anywhere he goes. So that's the only reason Spencer Dinwiddie is there. Whereas like behind D'Lo, right. the, the it, it lessens his ceiling. Interesting. Yeah. Is could, that is that a, is that a conspiratorial enough take? It's it's very possible. I mean, I don't presume to know <laughs> anything about it. Maybe it was just like, oh well, I'm have become friends with another weird, smart guy who sees the world in an odd way in the NBA who is empirically a better player than the guy I'm playing with, and I'd like to play with him. Mm -hmm. It could be a totally innocuous and reasonable thing like Mm -hmm. that, Um, in which case, yeah, all of this is uh, groundless and petty (laughs) and stupid, but... Uh, anything to Very throw shade? Yeah, this is at, this is uh, the first real tangible thing you've had to uh, <laughs> right to right. sink your teeth into. Exactly, with, with it's been all speculation up to this point. Uh, final one, one suggested by you, Simon. Who is the Nets' Benjamin Franklin? An inventor, an innovator, and I'd like to add, for my own, uh, a diplomat. <laughs> he was. Have you heard about when he was the uh, diplomat in France? No. Who also Thomas Jefferson followed him there uh, and was a diplomat in France. But um, he allegedly had over seventy illegitimate children in France. Hmm. That's uh, that's a that could be a completely completely right. uh, false fact. That does sound incredible. It but, does sound but incredible. That's, yeah. It? That a very old man had sired that many children in France, but eh, possible. 
Anyway, fascinating guy. Yeah. Uh, one of the most legitimately intriguing figures of that time. Uh, who's your Nets Benjamin Franklin? So for me, Benjamin Franklin is Kyrie Irving. And it's not just because of the messianic ties sure. of Benjamin Franklin, although that is a piece of it. I, To me, I just feel like Kyrie's going to have to be as point guards are, and especially as uh, Kyrie is as one of our best players, is going to need to be an inventor on the court. He's going to need to, um, you know, not just rely on his own scoring, which I truly hope he does not. I hope that he figures out ways to, you know, uh, Reed Wallach and Nets Daily just had a thing about how good, or in part was about how good Kyrie is in the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw that we ran like the fourth most pick and rolls in the NBA. Yeah. So like... That's the kind of iso ball that I actually don't mind because it's not quite as iso ball. Um, And so I would love to see that. So I would just love to see him sort of, you know, um, piece together this offense and also when when Kevin Durant comes back, figure out how he fits in. Like I think he's going to have to do it. And that's the biggest – or one of, one of the biggest risks of, of signing a Kyrie Irving is, like, is he going to do that? Is he going to put in the work to do that? Or is he just going to, like, jack up his own shots? Um, right. Which <laughs> he makes pretty efficiently. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. yes, it becomes a very boring thing to watch and very un in the last few years' defense. Not that, I mean, offense. Not that you necessarily want a Nets offense. Um, <laughs> that was fine last year. Got us yeah. to the playoffs. Um, I haven't thought about this one a lot, but I'd say off the cuff that my Nets, Benjamin Franklin, is uh, as an innovator and inventor is going to be, uh, it better be Kenny Atkinson. Okay. Um, And I think, so we have long said that Kenny Atkinson is the perfect Nets coach for a young team with a bunch of players who need development uh and that makes sense because he was a development coach and he has done wonderful things with guys like i mean this spencer dinwiddie joe harris d'angelo russell uh in previous gigs jeremy lynn uh, jeff teague etc etc he's known as the point guard whisperer and things like that um he's also known and he and he it, to his credit, did get better as a guy who couldn't write a inbounds play to save his life mm-hmm. at the end of a game. Uh, we lost so many close games with these disastrous uh, plays drawn up by the Nets that were just always extremely disappointing to see. So I would say if Kenny Atkinson wants to make it to what is currently being projected as the contending season, which is at the very least next season, if not um, two seasons away, uh, that he is going to need to channel his inner Benjamin Franklin as best (laughs) he can uh, and become a little more innovative and inventive when it comes to drawing up the X and O's plays for his guys. Uh, otherwise, they might need a better in-game coach, and 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 Kenny might need to move back into the development game. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I mean, at this point, I, I honestly think Kenny will probably get another head coaching job for another, like, young team. But, He's perfect for it. But He is at yeah. 100%. Uh, you have nothing but positive feelings about right. Kenny Atkinson. He is a... A tortured individual, which I respect and admire. Yes, there is, he, he's one of the most joyless people I know, um, and it is it is made manifest in his pallid gray skin and <laughs> you know sleep right. deprived bags under yes. his eyes and like you can just tell that someone came up to him seconds before he came onto the court and tried to adhere gel to his <laughs> hair to make it look somewhat normal and it always looks way crazier than if they just left it however it was coming <laughs> onto the court <laughs> i mean he's just he's just a really really he's he's obsessed He's yes. a man com- possessed by basketball, which you have to be if you want to give yourself over. It's like the anti Magic Johnson, like who's mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I still want to go to movies right, and do right. stuff that was cool and right. fun and yeah. like hang out uh, as a GM, yes. not as a basketball player. He's yes. a phenomenal basketball player, um, right. but it was just not a, like you. If you want to be good at that stuff, you have to be a psychopath. Like yes. literally, you have to be devote every second of your life to that thing. And Kenny Atkinson will do that. Um, Whether that translates into being able to handle massive egos like DeAndre Jordan, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant is a massive question mark, which I realize we said like a million times in the last episode, massive question mark. Um, But repeated it here for the first time. Yeah, well, I yeah, I I think that Kenny could be could be really bad for Kenny if if things don't start off well. Like if we're yeah. if the first 20 games of the season, if we have I don't know, let's say we're uh 7 and whatever. What is that? 7 and 17. No, of 7 the 20 and, Yeah, 7 and 13. 13 yeah. Um I think Kenny will be fired. Uh, wow, really? Well, I think if we're seven and thirteen, sure. Yeah, I think I think probably that would be the case. Um, are there any coaches, just in a purely speculative mm-hmm. and somewhat sadistic <laughs> move? Are there any coaches that are not currently coaching who you'd be interested in the Nets getting, or do you think that the Nets might be interested in? I think so. The short answer is no. I but the only the only th- coaches that I want are coaches that currently have jobs. Uh-huh. Um, so who would be all right? Barring but, like why we wouldn't be able to poach them. Yeah, yeah. Who would be a coach that you think would be good for this Nets iteration? Um I think that so let me give you two two possibilities that are coaches that will have pressure on them. Um, that could be knocked off. Is that fair? Yeah. Like, so it wouldn't be poaching. These would be coaches that would also get fired or something. Uh-huh. And and we'd be one is Mike D'Antoni. Oh, big time. Who I think like, would be a great you know point guard focused offense, especially for now. And I feel like uh, Kevin Durant is sort of like is like an Amari Stoudemire type. Of, uh-huh. I mean, like you know you feed him the ball, but it's not like he's posting up that much. 
he's like doing pick and rolls. Okay, that um, is incredibly intriguing. Yeah, like if that because that could go south so fast in Houston. Like it already sounds like it's bonkers over mm-hmm. there with the contract renewal and the, all the reports of right. uh, discontent and whether he's getting the contract. They fired all his assistant coaches. Yeah, that is truly intriguing. So I think that's one. And then the other one that's less likely, but let's say the Clippers sign Kawhi, things are not going well, Doc Rivers. I think Doc Rivers is sort of like a refined Kenny Atkinson. Mm. He he is also like a very hardworking guy. He's never he's never won a championship or anything, but yeah, he he's has. a good... Oh, really? With the Celtics. Oh. He was the Celtics coach when they won the championship. Oh, yeah, awesome. Yeah. He's a great coach. Yeah. Like, he fucking... Got so much out of that Clippers team last year. Eighth seed in the West, two games off the Warriors with KD and Clay in there. It's incredible. Yeah, like it's it is it is incredible. And he's been knocked. And Bill Simmons knocked him a lot when he was in Boston when they were winning championships. And now it's just like, well, you're very very wrong about that. He's <laughs> clearly an incredible coach. Right. So maybe that's a maybe that's a less. Yeah, I can't you know. see. I do not see the Clippers. Um, Getting rid of him and it it and it not working out like that's just such a well run organization. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I think he's but that's the Dan Tony thing is tantalizing. <laughs> yeah. Now uh, he's a flawed coach too. To he be sure, has never won a championship yeah, for sure. He's a flawed coach. Oh, but, deeply flawed coach. But, yeah. He uh, has he and I mean he's he's incredible like revolutionary in his approach, which has insane results in the regular season and if it's not working in the playoffs it seems like there's almost let's say it's very Budenholzer-y in in that um, in that respect okay yeah I don't I mean I don't I, the, the D'Antoni thing is way better than anything I could come up with um I mean, I love Kenny. I don't. I don't want to see him go. No, I would love to. As soon as Kenny gets fired, I'd love to have a beer with him. I'd love to just oh chat God. with him. I would. Like, yes, just, just like open tab. Kenny, have whatever you yeah, need to exactly. get through this. Like I think he'd be a great buddy. For he us. would. He would be a really fun downer kind of guy to mm-hmm. hang out with. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, one, uh, we're gonna do bet payoffs next time. Oh we yeah, do okay, it this sorry. Time. Oh no worries. Uh, and if you heard all the the comparisons, I think precipitated by a, a Ringer article by Jonathan Sharks about KD and Nowitzki in no. terms of coming back from injury and what KD could look like after. No. All right. Uh, I don't. I don't think we need to get into it. Okay. Uh, I would bas- to basically, it. like, ba- the basic point being, like, you can lose a lot of athleticism if you're that tall and a good shooter and have a really long and successful career is the basic point. Okay. Um, but it's worth reading that article and, and check it out. What's also worth doing is rating, reviewing, liking, subscribing, all of these things to mm-hmm. our podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on Instagram, naturally. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't put something up for a while. We'll put something up from New Paltz. We'll hey. do it right after this podcast. That'd be great. Uh, maybe uh, a boomerang. <laughs> it's our preferred. Uh, preferred is putting it very mildly. Oh, yeah. We are big fans of the boomerang. We're more story guys than um, than post guys. But we'll put up a, like a full-on post. 
so so follow us on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're, we have a truly pathetic Twitter following. So it would be awesome if someone well, would we, begin following. We're engaged us. with at least Seth and um, Mad Parker. Mad Parker. Yeah, I mean, so come on. You're right. Two people are engaged with us on Twitter. <laughs> we have a Gmail account. You can hit it up. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a standard email, um, and it's maybe next time at Gmail. Mm-hmm. Write to us. Uh, subscribe and review on wherever you get your podcast. You gotta have there, it. there are lots of platforms. Yeah, I've been listening on Spotify recently. Hmm. Um, but anyway, it's been great talking. I can't. I'm looking forward to this weekend, Simon. Me too, Bill. Uh, I'm already having fun. I'm already having a really nice time. Exactly. And Claire and Hillary, our wives, have been very generous in allowing us to carve out on our very first day here almost an hour to sit. Has it been almost an hour? Yeah, it's been almost an hour. This is a long one, Simon. We had a lot of freedom to talk about today. Uh, But anyway... Thanks for joining us. We're going to be we're going to be recording all all summer long. There will no doubt be uh, floods of content on the latest nets. Did you hear they went to this place called One Oak Street in Chelsea? Mm-mm. So they had like a party at uh, the Nets practice facility. Oh yeah, uh-huh. and then they all went out to some oh. club in Chelsea. So I looked it up. Uh, in the in the Nets Daily thing, it said 10 AK Street, but they meant 1 Oak Street. And it mm. is a club in Chelsea, like on 17th Street. Got it. And uh, it opens at 11 p.m. Mm. I looked That makes through, you feel old. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I looked... Uh, apparently, Kyrie and Karis were the two Nets spotted there, <laughs> uh, which is fun. Yeah. I hope those two had it. I think those two are going to get along fabulously. Yeah. I do not know how... And, and like, honestly, sorry, just very quickly, uh, I do not know how Karis and his game are going to necessarily mesh, but... And I hope, I hope they do. I think they can. But, like, I think those two people are going to be fine. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. Um, so hit us up. Uh, we, we sometimes hang out at 10 Oak. Or one, <laughs> sorry, sorry. One Oak. One Oak. One Oak. Sorry. Or 10. Oh, well, no, One Oak. You're right. Um, anyway, we will go ahead and see ya next time. I was tired of my lady. We'd been together too long. Like a worn out recording Of a favorite song So while she lay there sleeping I read the paper in bed And in the personal columns There was this letter I read